I didn't realize how much you could be on autopilot with your traumas mm. and allowing them to kind of just cause you to react a specific way to specific triggers. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how I look when I look at myself now after, you know, having the help come from you and, 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 you know, addressing my issues, like seeing myself, I, I really started to see that, yo, I really was just on autopilot, either re- looking for triggers or creating those triggers so that I can respond in a way that was familiar to me. Um, I was recreating the same toxic situations I was used to simply because I was used to it. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. That surprised the freaking life out of me. Like actually being able to see me for the first time, that was the biggest surprise in all of this. Hey y'all, welcome back to Boundaries and Grace. My name is Taylor Chandler and I'm your host. I'm a licensed therapist and I help people break toxic love cycles through one-on-ones and group programs. Today, you are being introduced to Jamel. I think Jamel is an amazing model, amazing model for men, an amazing model for fathers, and an amazing model for anyone, anyone, anyone who is working on themselves and trying to be better than the person that they were yesterday. Um, That's all I'm going to say for now because he's going to very eloquently tell you the rest, okay? Very thoroughly tell you the rest, very assertively. Yeah, yeah, very assertively tell you the rest. So I'm excited for this. Um, I think this might be, oh, this just might be my favorite episode that, I, that I've that i done so far. So I hope you enjoy it too. If you do, leave a review. I'll see you in the middle and I'll also see you at the end. Welcome, Jamel. I am Jamel J. Fax Lashley. Uh Funny enough, I got called J-Fax after I moved to Houston. It's like my city didn't realize I was the truth. But beyond <laughs> all of that, <laughs> yeah, I'm a dad, mm-hmm. podcaster, friend, and I wear other hats as well. No different than anybody else. Yes. You are different from others. So I'm going to go ahead and just... Yeah. I'm gonna, oh, yeah. Yeah. You already know. You already know. <laughs> okay. I'm excited for this. Um, I think there's just been so much that has happened um, over the time that we've worked together. And so I think this is going to be really, really good. So we're just going to go ahead and get right into it um, so that the people can hear all of the wisdoms on the nuggets that are in your brain. So first thing I want to ask you is how, how we came to work together. What was happening in your life that um, brought you to doing one-on-one work? Um, I had a lot going on actually, but, in the midst of what I was going on or what I had going on, I should say, um, I was scrolling on Instagram. (laughs) Um, You know, when you got a lot on your mind, you're trying to sleep or after a long day or a task and event, you're trying to like unpack your mind. You just end up scrolling through social media, kind of get something to get you hype or make you a little bit happier. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That was, that was like, you know, get the dopamine levels up, Mm -hmm. you know, and I stumbled onto your, it's a hashtag I follow. Um, I think it's called self-care or I can't remember the, the hashtag. It's been a minute now. And I stumbled on the post and it hit me in my chest like a Mack truck. Oh. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Uh, is she talking to me? Like, I've never met this lady before. Where did this, where did this come from? You know what I'm saying? And instead of me getting the dopamine that I was looking for, I ended up, you know, 
again, a reality check. Wow. Um, I knew I had issues going on, whatever the case may be, but I didn't realize that I was ready to actually address those issues. Mm. And that moment just affirmed the fact that, hey, you you need to get this taken care of immediately. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, you know, the biggest thing that caused me to really reach out was everything going on with my ex-wife at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I decided after, you know, scrolling through a lot of your posts, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and hit the link in her bio and get the ball rolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here I am. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, at that time that you were scrolling in the midst of everything, where do you think like your stress level was in your life at that time? Like if you had to rank it from one to 10, like where were you at? Easily about a 50. Uh, um, easily a 50. Mm. I um, I didn't realize that I was so hard pressed from every angle. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. I know I was hard pressed. Like, you know, for the most part, we all are hard pressed. But I didn't realize just how much pressure had built up between me, that rock, and that hard place. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. Um, I had ended up, you know, you know, the, the causes of stress gaining weight, getting hospitalized. It was crazy. It was an insane time in my life. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even think it was me not noticing. I mm-hmm. think it was me spot filling. You know what I'm saying? Like, instead of me addressing the mess, I kept finding a new spot to put the trash in. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I can't see it, then I'm okay. But I wasn't okay. That spot kept getting more cluttered and more cluttered to the point where I did, I ran out of place to put the trash. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, spot cleaning. Hmm, I have not heard it put that way. So kind of like getting, yeah. getting, up, getting the crumbs, but not really getting the whole thing. <laughs> Picking exactly. it up little by little. What surprised you the most along the way? What did you? I'm gonna give you a, oh, man. <laughs> a lot. I was about to rephrase it. I was gonna ask you, and I was like, hmm, let me ask a question this way: like, what did you think was gonna happen versus what actually happened? Um, so kind of like, so I'm going to throw both of those questions out on the table and you just like work with that. I answer all three. I answer all three. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. start with what I, what I thought was going to happen versus what actually happened. What I thought was going to happen, to be honest with you, I was expecting you wholeheartedly to be just as useless as the white therapist that I came up against. Mm. I'm not even funny. I'm not even being funny right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I went to another therapist, one other therapist in my whole life. Um, I did this, you know, couples therapy thing with with a white guy no disrespect to this guy he did the work to be in the position that he's in but oh my god he was not helpful like at all <laughs> like he wasn't addressing any problems really mm-hmm. he kind of just anyway off that dude um i was expecting it to turn out the same way i was ready to just count therapy out all together and be like yo maybe i just need to you know toughen up a little bit more maybe i just need to like buckle down, focus a little bit more. Maybe I need to read my Bible a little bit more. Maybe I need to be around like good people more. Like I, I felt like it wasn't going to work. That's what I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. What actually happened? Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah. Yo, uh, uh-huh. Jesus, to uh-huh. say the least, for the first time in my life, after actually talking to somebody and it, I don't even know if it has anything to do with the fact that we share the same hue. I haven't the slightest idea, but I felt heard. Like I felt like 
you understood what it was that I was dealing with. And not only did you understand, you knew exactly what tool in the OR to apply to that situation to get that taken care of. You get what I'm saying? And that's me paralleling it to actual surgery. You see what I'm saying? Like, you were able to identify and point out exactly what the issue was and how to fix it. And when I go apply it, it works. A good example was the situation with dealing with my kids mm-hmm. and actually getting more in tune with asking them questions and, and really mm-hmm. applying myself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They opened up in a dramatic way. I was not, I'm not lying. I wasn't expecting I that. I wasn't expecting that. They opened all the way up to me. Like I, when I got off the phone with my daughter after we was talking, I cried like a baby. Mm. I cried like a, I was really happy to actually just really finally click with her like that. You know what I'm saying? Like really just damn, that's my baby, and you know I feel like she sees me as the safe space as a father that she should for the first time. And since I became a, a father to her, you know, excuse my first kid, like that, it was, it was a dope moment. I just, I wasn't expecting things to actually get better. And I was really pleasantly surprised as far as what surprised me. Um, I didn't realize how much you could be on autopilot with your traumas mm. and allowing them to kind of just cause you to react a specific way to specific triggers. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how I look when I look at myself now after, you know, having the help come from you and, and, and you know, addressing my issues, like seeing myself, I, I really started to see that, yo, I really was just on autopilot, either re- looking for triggers or creating those triggers so that I can respond in a way that was familiar to me. Um, I was recreating the same toxic situations I was used to simply because I was used to it. You know what I mean? That surprised the freaking life out of me. Like, actually being able to see me for the first time, that was the biggest surprise in all of this. Wow. Okay, you said a lot. You said a lot there. Thank you for that. Thank you for those reflections. Um, I'm going to start with this first one, with what you just said. Um, That autopilot with your traumas, like, that is so huge. Because it's like, you you can hate the situation. You can hate the cycle and still not notice the the role that you're playing in it, still not notice that, like, wow, I really am doing this again and again and again. I'm so uncomfortable blaming other people, resenting other people, or just thinking maybe it's just bad luck or it's just my life, and, and not seeing that you actually have a choice in how this right. thing plays out. Um, yeah, I think that's just a really good right. way of putting it, like being on autopilot with it. Um, and then sort of yeah, just it becomes instinctive. Discomfort. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. That is wild. Okay, there's that. Thank you for that. And this other thing. Okay. We, we had, because you and I have not talked since we had that conversation about the questions with, the, with your kids um, and sort of like being more curious about their experience. That was a really I don't I don't know how much in detail we want to get into it right now, but that was a really really important session, and so I'm so um, happy to hear how that like those conversations went um, after after we talked about that. Um, that was a really really important session for me too. So uh, 
Yeah, thank you for that, for bringing that to the table. Yeah, of course. Thank you. If I if I didn't get that advice, you know, and that guidance, I probably would have been recreating, much like I said a moment ago, the very thing that I was trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We we all do that. That's something, and so I'm, I'm glad that you're saying it because um, I think we all have this experience of being re- really surprised that we do the same things that we hated or that we do the same things that we like wish our parents didn't do. And until we bring it to like a conscious awareness and allow someone to see it, right? Like we have like all of these hidden parts of our lives and like these shameful parts. And maybe we're not even conscious that there's shame attached to it, but there's a reason why we hide it. Right. And then until, until we bring it to the table and say like, Hey, this is what's going on we all all are only doing what we have learned to do, what we saw, what has happened to us or what we were told. Um, And a lot of times in cases like mine or yours, they're it's problematic, but we haven't let someone in to our lives to even shine a light on it, to be like, Hey, like what's happening here? Or I'm feeling really uncomfortable about this. Like, what do you think? And so I just, I appreciate you so much for, for talking about that. And so important for fathers and especially black fathers, um, in my opinion, and probably yours too, um, to be able right. to like have these conversations <laughs> about, about, about how to connect, um, when, when there has been divorce, um, because a lot of times the the father ends up in whether it's um, perceived or real this kind of position of alienation in the family, and so I'm just again like the, that was such an important session, and um, yeah, yeah, wow, I could really go on about it. So thank you. <laughs> it was just as revealing for me, like that moment of clarity, like seeing that you really did have control over whether or not you're as close as you want to be with your kids. Mm. Like it was a really big deal. It was a really big yes. deal. Like I, I stopped yes. <laughs> like full on ugly cry, like snot. Yes. Oh, you know, you, I, I'm going to ask you a question that, that maybe you weren't expecting. I've already asked you a couple that I think you weren't expecting, but I'm going to ask you another one if that's okay. Um, can you talk about men crying for a moment, whatever that means to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to me, something that I've always dealt with my whole life, actually, um, and I'm sure other black men um, could relate, is you got to smother out, you know, any indication that you're soft. You know what I'm saying? Especially considering, like, the environments most of us grow up into. Even if you wasn't on, like, no gangsterdom or anything like that, realistically, in order for you to survive in that environment, you had to carry or do certain things in order to, you know, make it out of it. You know what I'm saying? And in most cases, one of those things is to never shed a tear or at least never letting anybody see you shedding tears. You see what I'm saying? And it's, it, it comes with the stigma that if you do, then you're a coward or you're effeminate or whatever the case may be. You, you're looked at as less of a man in those circumstances. And I had a really, me personally, I had a really hard time um, expressing, even today, you know, I sometimes be, like I'll hide my face or tuck off somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what I really had to come to terms with 
um, is that every single person on the planet, unless they got some kind of defect when it was born, has tear ducts and they're there for a reason, whether joyous or sorrow, you were made to shed tears. You know what I'm saying? It, it's kind of counterproductive to stifle out a part of yourself because it really is a part of you mm-hmm. when you need to not just experience it, but express it. Because realistically, if you never shed a tear, the only other default that you're going to go to, if you're not sad or like if you're not shedding tears for like sorrow, for example, you're going to default to anger. You know what I'm saying? That's or I should say that sadness is going to, or that, those tears are going to translate into other things yeah. that have nothing to do with the true emotion of what it is you feel. Mm-hmm. So I just really think it, it comes down to a, a matter of accepting the fact that you're just as human as anybody else. Yeah. I love that. Letting that be just as valuable as a part of you. Um, than the happy parts of you or the strong parts of you or what someone might um, superficially call strong, <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That, like that you don't lose parts. muscle mass because you shed tears. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like if it comes down to it, to the gangsters out there, and I pray to God nobody's doing nothing crazy, but yo, you shedding tears doesn't stop your trigger finger from working. It don't make your back any weaker. Your legs are just as strong. Realistically, you're no less of a man simply because you have pain mm-hmm. or you just so happy that you're shedding tears. Like it's a, it's literally a part of who you are yeah. in, in the physical sense, metaphysical sense. Like you were meant to be sorrowful or happy and mm-hmm. shed tears. That's just what it boils down to be. Hey, I told you it was going to be good. <laughs> All right. Quick interruption. And then we'll get going again. If you feel so compelled to support my work and the show, please send a cash app. It could be $2. It could be $5. Okay. If you're getting something out of this and you would like to sew into this work, I would certainly appreciate it. My cash app is in the show notes, but for your convenience, I'll go ahead and read it out to you. Dollar sign Tay Chan. T-A-Y-C-H-A-N-D. I'm proud of my work. I'm proud of what it's doing for people. I hear awesome feedback. Often, I'm grateful. And so if you would like to show your gratitude and support, certainly would appreciate it. Thank you. Let's continue. What do you think the, is the most important thing for men to know about therapy as a whole and then and then mental health in general? What 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 do they need to know? Um most important, I'm going to say that therapy doesn't make you crazy or that you weak. <laughs> um in majority of cases speaking for men like me again, we tend to step into these roles like being a dad, a big brother, a husband, whatever the case may be without any real guidance on how to carry out any of those things or what's acquired, required of us in those positions. It's almost like applying for a job, but you lied on the resume to get it, and now you're too boastful or too proud. You know what I'm saying? You're too proud or bullheaded to get on Google and research the position and figure out what you need to do or ask somebody for help. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's, to me, I think that's yes. what's most important. Knowing that like, yes. you're human and need help. Like, if you break your arm, you're not going to duct tape it and keep it pushing. You're going to go to a hospital, you're going to get the bone reset, and then you're going to cast your arm. So if that's the case with your body physically, why would you take a duct tape approach to your mental health when your brain controls the rest of your body? Like, if your brain fails, all of you fails. 
Mm-hmm. Something that... Because um, that's... First, let me just reflect back to you what I just heard. That there's a... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the word ego in here. I'm going to throw the word ego in here. And that, <laughs> Definitely. That can make it difficult to admit that I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this thing of being a father. I don't know how to do this thing of being a husband. Um, I don't know how to do this thing of crying and expressing my feelings, right? And so um, first there's, there is this um, over-identification with roles, like, for example, in work or becoming this, like, um, someone might describe it as, like, a shell of a father rather than being, like, emotionally present there's just sort of like this functional role filled rather than the emotional role so over identifying with like the label itself rather than like what is right and in right that role so there's right. that um some things that i that come up for me often this is with men and women but those who do not have and this was me as well that did not have um like a good role model for that thing like for example um a wife or a husband right that's a role and then there's a person in the role um so without having like a good model some things that i've suggested to people is like you know go find them because they're not always in your family and people that i work with most people they're not in the family um just like it was with me so Um, what I've suggested to people and something that has really, really worked for me is like, uh, paying attention to the circle that you're within and really like, um, locating people, whether it's in real life or on Instagram, turn the notifications on, like get friendly with them on Instagram or whatever, but finding people who do exemplify, or at least you perceive that they do at least exemplify like who you would like to be in that role. If you don't have that role model, um, so I'm wondering, like, what you think about that and or what advice you would give to to those that do not have someone in their life or related to them that serves as, like, the father that they want to be, for example. Yeah, so that was a tough one because I was a little bit more forward, if you will, with trying to actively look right. for that, right. that. You are. That person, you know what I'm saying, or that mm-hmm. entity, I was really forward with that. Like, I'm naturally more emotionally expressive normally, but I tend to, you know, I'm dealing with not talking it away when I'm figuring <laughs> and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But, um, so that's different for me, because in most cases with guys, like, my ego, like, it, it shows up with me more so outright trying my best to appear as what it is that I was missing or appear as better than what it is that I I actually am, you know what I'm saying? And in most cases, with guys like myself, we care a lot about external perception. Like, we care about how people look at us. That's really what ego is, you see what I'm saying? Instead of simply, truly, confidently being ourselves, you see what I'm saying? In most cases, for me at least, it took therapy for me to truly see myself, let alone for me to really be myself. Mm -hmm. So I think the obstacle to overcome in that situation with people that are trying to figure out what it looks like realistically outside of humbling yourself. Cause I know I don't like eating humble pie personally. It doesn't taste good. <laughs> outside of humbling yourself, really acknowledge the fact that if you haven't had this thing in your life, then you can't, this is just logical. 
if you haven't had this thing in your life, then there's no way for you to really know right. how that thing works, right. what that thing is, or what it even looks like. So it's best to outsource it to somebody that knows what it is mm-hmm. so that you can get what it is that you need from them mm-hmm. so that you can be what it is that you are actually missing. Like mm-hmm. companies do this, Fortune 500 companies do this. They hire consultants because they don't know what it is they need to do. So they get someone to come in that specializes in it to help them do what it is that they need to do. You shouldn't treat yourself any less than that Fortune 500 company treats their business. I love that. I totally love that. I think about it in like a similar like kind of metaphor. I think about like you should have a board of like a, your, your board, your board of directors and like around the table, yeah. like you need to get the people you sitting at the head and you going, you, 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 the, you, the CEO of your life. Um, but you need to get some people around the table who can mirror to you, reflect to you who it is that you want to be. So I love that you, that you put it in that, in that way. Um, and I agree that you shouldn't treat yourself any less and like you know a lot outsourcing it that's a really good word i think for people to remember outsource it go find if it's not if it's not in your house if you didn't grow up with it or whatever you got to go find it whether you know it's in exactly um and again it can be multiple people around your table but find people who know the ins and outs of that thing that you want to be and be around them and like absorb what they got going on and learn their behaviors and yeah yes so that's really 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 good thank you for that um, in our work together, we talked a lot about anxiety. I talk a lot about anxiety a lot on Instagram and everything. Well, there's a lot of posts about anxiety and how to manage it. And a lot of things yeah, about definitely. anxious attachment and, and how to calm, how to calm the hell down. Right? Like you, I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm all, everybody just needs to relax. And how do we do it? How do you relax? And so now, um, first, I want to ask you, you know, like what is that? What, <laughs> What is it for you? What what is it? What is as I'm saying that? What comes up for you? What would you like to share with us about that? And then I would like to know how you maintain a more peaceful, calm state now. Yeah, I uh, I honestly didn't even know what anxiety felt or looked like. Mm-hmm. So when people would say, "I'm not even," I'm gonna keep it a buck. Like when I first heard the word anxiety used with regards to somebody experiencing it, it was Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I kid you not. She was arguing with her sisters and she said flat out, oh, chill out, you're giving me anxiety. I'm like, the fuck? what is she fucking talking about? <laughs> I, I didn't mean to laugh at her, I swear. I, I did not mean to laugh at her, but because I wasn't familiar with it being used in that way, my first instinct was, to, yo, she's fucking bugging right now. Like, what's wrong with her? When in reality, she's really just in tune with her humanity and it, it, she's able to identify mm-hmm. what's going on around her and within her. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then here I am, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I made fun of her in that moment, like, yo, she's bugging. Well, while I'm actually dealing with the same issues, but I wasn't able to identify what it was. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I'm thinking all these things I'm doing, blowing up phones and seven, sending like 700 text messages. I thought all that was normal. You know what I'm saying? I thought, I thought that's what you were supposed to do. <laughs> but in reality, that wasn't it. That wasn't it, you know? And <laughs> that wasn't it. <laughs> when I learned, that's when I really figured out, oh, damn, like, you know, I really wasn't no different than her in that situation. It's just she was able to identify it. But now, 
how I maintain my peace and keep it under control. I talk to like-minded people, much like what you said a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always tapping it up with people that's dealing with the same issues. And we bounce things back and forth from each other, you know, exchange information. Um, breathing is a big one. Like actually just stopping and grounding myself in the moment mm-hmm. and, and taking an inventory of that moment. Yes. Like just stopping, like, yo, what's happening? What's going on? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The minute I feel any kind of like trigger, I just stop myself. Yeah. Um, yep. Being intentional about expressing myself um, because one of my biggest triggers, I say, is in cases where I feel like what I'm saying isn't translating, I shut down. I shut down. Um, and that leaves me alone to deal with my anxiety and I'm fighting within myself versus if I had just expressed myself, I wouldn't have put myself in that situation. That's so good. So I'm a lot more intentional. Yes. Yeah, I'm a lot more intentional about expressing myself. Um, I even started a guided meditation with Rizzo on Spotify. (laughs) I think it's, what do you call it? What do you call it? Uh, Kill the Noise. Kill the Noise Mm -hmm. Um, on Spotify. It's a grounded, I mean, a a guided. uh, I love that. You know, I love meditation. Meditation. Please talk about it. That is so, so, so good. Damn it. I I bring this up on, um, on on some episodes, but when I love like reminding someone how how things started <laughs> because right now you coming with us you coming with us real smooth and calm and cool right oh it's not that way at the beginning and i love hearing it because it like you know as you just described you described a very conscious state, right? Where, okay, I notice that the trigger is happening. I have a choice in this moment. First, let me locate my feelings, right? Like, oh, I notice I'm triggered. I notice I'm nervous. I notice I'm anxious or scared. I'm fearful. I'm, I'm pissed, whatever it is. Now I'm going to right. choose what to do about it. I do not have to go from zero to 100. I don't have to send the 700 text messages, right? That's being in a very unconscious state where we're just compulsively acting. And like you said, we don't even, at first, don't even recognize that, that, that it's anxiety. We just think, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, and we don't even know what we're really trying to do. We just know that we don't right. like the way that we're feeling. Right. We're just trying to end that feeling. But coming at it from that really conscious state and slowing down, making a decision that is aligned with who you know that you are and then also like an, an outcome that you want. There's that. I, but let me let me back myself up to 30 seconds ago when I said where we started, Jamel, it's not sounded like this. Right. It was like <laughs> it, it's like it's like the panic button was being hit trigger we were you were diving in and so do you have anything to say about that you want to tell the people what what that was because 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 let let us not forget what these first what these beginning days sounded like yeah felt like. Some that I think, that a bit? yeah absolutely what i think honestly was happening at the beginning was my anxiety was kicked into high gear because the system of dysfunction that I was used to was literally crumbling before my eyes and there was nothing I could do about it. Mm. And that discomfort was putting me in a crazy place. And since I couldn't restore the discomfort to what it was, I had no other choice, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But to deal with the actual issues behind all of my anxiety and things of that nature, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I was frantic. I was literally in full meltdown because 
that system literally crumbled. Like I couldn't maintain the facade of being okay anymore. Mm-hmm. I couldn't maintain the trash. Like I was saying, instead of spot filling it, it took over my whole home. Like I couldn't, there was no way for me to put it out of sight, out of mind anymore. Yeah. And I had to address it. I had to address it. Like it was crazy. You know, I honestly, to be honest with you, I didn't think after that first session because I was a mess. I was. I didn't think we were gonna keep talking and it was gonna get anywhere. I think I said that already. I was <laughs> because at the end of the day, I was still going back to the, the. I still had to look at the system fall apart. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we were in the beginning stages, so there was this pull the sheets off, if you will, or like open the curtains up, turn on all the lights. That's what the situation was in the beginning yeah. with therapy. So I had, I had no choice but to face it. Like, I'm not saying you grab my neck like a puppy and put my nose in it, but you damn sure didn't let me overlook <laughs> what's yeah. actually going on. <laughs> you know what yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was crazy. It was crazy to say the least. Like, like I said, I could actually see myself for the first time and the beginning, I was mad uncomfortable with myself. I didn't want to see myself. I didn't like the light came on. I didn't like the sheets pulled back, nor did I like the curtain snatched open. Mm-hmm. I wanted mm-hmm. to c- keep up my facade. I wanted to. I wanted to go back to what I was used to. It's yes. like muscle memory. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you do something for so long, so much, all you do is default to that thing. And when I couldn't default to it anymore, I was literally losing my mind. Yeah. Like, yeah literally. You say, I mean, and Big shout out to you for staying in it because that is a super tough position to be in. It's a really vulnerable position to be in um, when you put these things on the table and shine the light on them and like and to be already in a position in your life that you would have preferred not to be. And then you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to tell this stranger about it. And is it going to work? And I mean, that's a really tough position to stay in and then keep to keep showing up week after week. So there's that. I want to sidebar this. We started our work together when you were at the beginning stages of the divorce, like you mentioned. And I have seen, found, experienced that men have a harder time in those moments than women do. That the fallout is like more extreme internally but externally, they, we don't see it. But internally, it's it feels it, like objectively worse. Um, and I say that because, and what I so I, I, I want to know what you think because what I have uh, theorized is uh, this like that because men are more identified with their roles and more because men are more inclined to like work, like be in role. Like okay, I am working as a father, I am working as a husband, I'm working at work, like they're identified with the role, the label itself, that when the label is gone, so now I'm no longer a husband, that that the fallout Man. because of the over-identification Man. is like worse oh than women, where as women seem to be, just in, in generally speaking, I'm not talking about every single person, Lord, but Generally speaking, women yeah, are you like, be <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta be, I gotta be careful. Let me make sure I put all my disclaimers out here. Okay. I don't want nobody emailing me, calling me, calling nobody. So <laughs> women are, and women don't recognize that this is a privilege. Okay. Women don't recognize that this is a privilege that you're socialized and encouraged to find other identifications that are more about like who you are at your core. Um, 
even in like friendships, the way way that female friendships unfolds, like it's more about like these core feelings where men totally can have those relationships. It's just that they're not encouraged or socialized to do so. So there's this privilege that women have to have like when, so when a divorce happens, they are grounded in their, their grounding is in other sources other than just their husband. Like they're able to kind of like find their self in these, because they've already been seated in other places. Um, and so I'm wondering what you think about that, because I could go on. I just wanted to kind of throw that out here. Yeah. Um. So in those cases, like what I've seen, and I ain't no professional, so I'm just going off what I've experienced. What I've seen in cases where if a woman gets divorced and things of that nature, while they do also have, like other things they can identify with, they have a really strong support system, like realistically. One thing that rings true to me today, as much as it has well, 30 years ago or so when I first heard it, is that women do stick together. Um, and there's often this weird stigma with guys when we go through something like this, you know, we don't, we realistically be uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> We be uncomfortable. You hear your man is on the phone crying and shit. You like, all right, bro. You be all right, all right but it quit. <laughs> you, know? mm-hmm. like, you don't really want to be bothered with like that level of emotion because then it starts to open up like what you may have going on as a guy. Because considering the fact that almost every guy is affected by this very thing, like we identify, over identify mm-hmm. with those titles. So. Mm-hmm. When you're talking as a guy, I'm talking to another guy that over identifies with the title and I lost the title. Mm. He can't relate with what the hell I'm talking about. He he don't even want to consider. He doesn't even want to fathom the idea because it'll rock his world just as much as it's rocking mine. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So he's like, nah, fuck out of here. I'm out. Click. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You might offer some words of encouragement. Hey, hold your head, my dude. Click and get out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he out of there. But realistically, as a guy like myself, one of the first things that came to mind when all of this fell down was the immediate realization that I didn't know who the hell I was. Mm-hmm. Like almost instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. talking about the very first thing. One of the first things I was dealing with was, oh my God, I don't know who I was. Yes. And it scared me. Like yes. I immediately started to look for other things or other like ways that I could identify myself. So I didn't feel that, that heavy realization of the fact that I didn't have an identity outside of what it is that I did. Mm-hmm. I was what I did. I was what I was doing. I was what I possessed. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. when all that came crashing down, that realization sunk in fast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's a scary thing because who wants to know? And I, one of the biggest things with me that I, I realized a lot of other people do it too. I honestly didn't know because again, this isn't something that we talk about on a widespread scale until more recently, I should say. Um, was the fact that I was putting a time limit on much of what it was I was going through in life. Like, damn, I shouldn't be going through this at 34. Like, nigga, you don't know who you are at 34? The fuck? Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like, you don't, you don't, like, we, I, it's a weird stigma with time and, and certain things. Like, it really clicked for me. I think I was on TikTok. I was watching the TikTok video on Facebook and another guy, like, what made me realize that I wasn't unique in what it was I was faced with was another guy. He was 35, I think. And he had the, I mean, verbatim, I didn't know who the hell I was at 35 years old. And when he said that, it punched me in the chest. Like, oh my God. I'm not the only one that 
don't know who the fuck they are at 30 something years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I had to do, really, what I really had to do outside of the fact that I'm now seeing myself, because that's really what it boils down to. Outside of the fact that I really am seeing myself, I had to figure out not just what I am, but who I am. You know what I'm saying? I sat down, I actually sat down with my journal. I stopped writing and started recording it too, but I sat down with my journal and I wrote down what I thought was the who and realized quickly that I was writing a bunch of what. Mm, like, ooh. really quickly. Yeah. I was writing a metric ton of what. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, the yeah. very first thing I wrote down was Deborah's son. That's a what. You see what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm a, I, when I get a chance, I'm actually going to send you a picture. Yeah, <laughs> With the whole sad. list, it was just a bunch of, it was a bunch of what. And it yeah. stunned me. It really stunned me. Like, it had nothing to do with who I was. Yeah. And I, I figured I had to go literally open the dictionary and define who. Like, what the word who meant. <laughs> I'm making it up. And once I knew what who meant, I sat back down and reflected, like, okay, you know, who are you? You know what I'm saying? I was able to identify like who I am apart from what it is that I do. What yes. I do or what I possess isn't who I am. Yes. It's just a part of an extension of who I am, not really who I am. This is realistically Yeah. A lot of people deal with that. Like a metric yes. ton of people deal yes. with that. And I, I really yes. when I said it, I had no clue. I had no clue because, again, like with guys, specifically guys, we don't talk about shit like that. Like we don't. Even in our little private circles, you know how women got y'all little girl talk, guys got their guys. But we don't talk about shit like that. Like when we alone, like we talk about the problems with our what. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh, man, my, my, my job driving me crazy. You know what I'm saying? My wife is, you know, she complaining. My kids, all of those are the what, father, husband employees you see what i'm saying all those are the what we talk about that stuff we don't never talk about really realistically who we are thank you for that 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 was i'm glad i'm glad we got into that that was not uh that was not that was not on the agenda um but that like (laughs) like this um it's a huge pervasive issue and so i know that 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 a lot of people are going to be able to um relate to that men and women but again like this is i think um heavily affecting men um that over identification so thank you for that and yes to the meditation yes to the journaling yes to the managing the triggers you're killing it just all around um mm, this is our last question here okay uh all right I, I should have told you I was going to ask you this, but I didn't. Um, I asked everybody this. I just must have thought it was a given, but I'm sure you're going to do fine. Um, if you had to, if you had to guarantee that listeners were going to walk away knowing one thing in particular, if you knew for sure that they were going to absorb it into their brain and remember it forever, what is it? What is the thing that you would want the, the listeners to know? From this. Um, I would definitely say the realization that humanity isn't unique to any specific person at all. Like realistically, if you walk in, you're cognizant, you you got the emotions that you possess, like definitively you're human, realistically. And you're not outside of all of the things that could affect you as a human. So you shouldn't tuck it away or avoid it. Embrace it and address it accordingly because avoiding it is only going to lead you into more problems. 
Mm-hmm. Here we go. Confront the issue. Deal with it. Wrap it. There we go. There we go. Thank you for all of this, for sharing all of your wisdoms, all of the nuggets. This was really, really, really good, Jamel. And you're going to really... Thanks for having me on. You're going to love hearing... You're going to love hearing yourself reflect all of these things that you that you have um i'm gonna say realized about yourself because we don't really like i don't think about it as like finding something outside of you it's like oh you just realized like you said i i, I saw myself for the first time it's are all it's realizations of who you really are and so i appreciate you sharing all of that with us thanks for tuning in If you're interested in doing one-on-one work, there is a free consult link below where you can schedule a time and date for us to talk. If this episode was good for you and you think it might be good for someone else, I encourage you to share it. If this podcast has been good to you and you'd like to continue along the journey, I encourage you to subscribe. If you would like to support this work and express some gratitude, you through you through through you through you leaving a review i encourage you to do that as well it could be a sentence or two and if you'd like to support this work monetarily certainly would appreciate it with the cash app the cash app tag is below it's a dollar sign